Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here sort of, uh, as ever, with Ruth. Hello, from Prairie City again. Uh, Ruth is still on her travels. I am definitely not in my classroom at lunchtime. And we are going to talk <laughs> a little bit about the uh, women's game against Belarus, which is coming up on Tuesday. And a few little comments about the men's squad, um, which was recently announced and has caused a little bit of controversy, or a lot of controversy, depending on your perspective, uh, with the uh, call-up of Tom Lawrence. Um, we'll start with the women. Pretty much the expected squad, um, with uh, Rachel Rowe coming back in as well. Um, the big loss, it seems, is that Sophie Ingle is missing. Uh, she won't play. Uh, she's pulled out of the squad due to injury. So I was just wondering, how do you think that's going to affect what we do? Do you think someone else will come in and play that Libero role, or do you think it might end up just being a, a new kind of tactical plan for the Belarusians? I think the way she can marshal things from the back in uh, in that role, I think it's just so, such an incredibly challenging role. I think it's very difficult to throw someone in to do that at this point. I think we might go to a more standard kind of back five in, the, in a way that we were playing previously. Yeah, I don't disagree there. I think it's a big loss. Yeah, I agree. And I think to, to replace someone there um, is is a big, big call to because of the importance of that role. And I think we may just end up seeing a bit of a rejig and maybe someone else sitting a bit deeper in midfield um, just to kind of make sure we're solid against what I think is going to be, you know, a, a tough game. They scored the same amount of goals as we did against the Pharaohs. So it's, it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, they're actually playing Norway as we as we record. They were one nil up, um, but Norway have just run away with it in the latter half of the latter part of the first half, and now it's one three. Um, so, but obviously they're they're going to be a challenge, particularly away from home. I think you can't pretend that those long trips and those you know East European teams aren't well organised. They're ranked in the 50s so they're not mugs by any means they, they had a good game against the Pharaohs and as you said scored the six goals like we did um, so I think it's going to be a tough a tough game an important game we've got to we, you know we've got to build on the four points that we have um, obviously the Northern Ireland result was disappointing but at least it's come early in the campaign at a point where things can be rectified and you know we can we the girls are still in a great position to build forward from this I agree I think it's a it's a bit of a funny game in in the in the context all of a sudden of the Northern Ireland result we've gone from a bit of you know should have won that game to this is no by no means a must win we're not in that sort of territory yet by a long shot but we are I would argue in a bit of a can't lose sort of territory here yeah, I think if we can eke out some points, just keep getting the points. That's the important thing, isn't it? And then, obviously, it's the Norway games that are really going to end up defining this group. Um, so we've got to keep taking points from everyone else and, and then put our best foot forward and see what we can grab from the Norwegians, really. I agree. And when you think as well, by the time we play Norway, um, you'd like to think that Sophie Ingle will be back. Um, you know, there's a good chance that Jess Fishlock will be back. Um, all of a sudden we go into that game regardless really with kind of renewed optimism and um, a kind of a fresh outlook on things. So I, I think the 
things are looking good as long as, as you say, we keep picking up points. Like we picked up a point against Russia uh, away last time. Mm-hmm. That was a big that was a big result. Um, and going out to Bosnia in the last campaign and getting all three points was a massive result. Uh, Laura, uh, Laura Sullivan making a big penalty save in that game. So you'd like to think we, if we can kind of replicate that sort of back to the walls performance and get a point or you know grab something on the break as we did against the Bosnians and get all three, then I think you know that would be obviously an enormous result for the girls. Yeah, and I think it's fallen well for us, particularly when you account for the injuries, that we've only got the one game in this window, um, particularly with the travelling out there. I think it's it's good that, you know, they can put everything on the line for that 90 minutes and not be thinking about a, a subsequent game as well. I agree. And like Rhiannon said in our last inter- in our last podcast or interview with her, she was talking about whoever's done the, the fixture list needs needs a prize of some description. And, and it's things like this, this game where that really kind of comes into its own and shows because, like you say, A is, you know, the toughest, one of the toughest away journeys in terms of where we're going in the distance and everything else. But it's just the one game. We can just focus on this one. There's nothing else to come back to. You can put everything on the line for it. And as a consequence, it's given the girls a big window as well. I think that's kind of gone understated a little bit in terms of the preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, like you say, the Norwegians and the Belarusians are playing today. Um, it's not just the two games to contend with. It's the fact that our game is the second game of the window, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah. we've got, you know, basically, I think that I think all in, I think I read some of the girls will have something like seven or eight days together. Uh, in total before the match which is obviously at this level and con- especially considering the importance of everything a massive massive boost and bonus yeah yep I mean Rhiannon was right wasn't she they've, they've obviously got something going on the the back the back wheeler dealer in in terms of making sure that these fixtures work for us someone someone's got their the finger on the pulse and got it working well no oh, absolutely no argument there and uh you know, as long as we come uh, come away with some points, it's all worthwhile, really. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, should we, should we just wish them well? And yeah, I think so. I think it's a it's obviously an important game, and I think to come back from Belarus with a point and maybe three would be a great achievement. Um, it kind of keeps us in a good position in the group, um, and all things considered, I think a, a draw. I would I would take a draw right now. Um, but obviously all three points would be fantastic. So, yeah, agree. Just best wishes and uh, important game. But as you said, not a, not a defining game. So let's keep fingers crossed and hope they come back with some points. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, good luck to everyone. Uh, fingers crossed and we'll be, uh, we'll be watching the game. So we'll, we'll do a follow-up podcast after this um, with a review of the game as well. Um, to move on to the men's squad announcement uh, ahead of the double header against Croatia and Slovakia, um, there's a couple of things I think that's worth pointing out. First of all is obviously the the incident that occurred around the Wales fans first off not being able to go and then finally being allowed to go to Slovakia. Um, and the issues that's kind of arisen around that, but also the Tom Lawrence squad selection and then obviously some kind of wider stuff as well. So I just thought we'd start quickly with the, the Slovakia situation, as we'll call it. Um, what were your thoughts on the way that kind of all panned out? I actually think there are two quite distinct issues there that have ended up kind of being rolled into one. And, and that actually made me quite uncomfortable. I think there's clearly the behavior and how UEFA are meant to respond 
to racist incidents. And I clearly what's happened is unacceptable in terms of how the punishment that Slovakia haven't received for racial abuse. But then running alongside that was the timing of the decision, the implementation of the decision, the fact that Welsh fans who'd committed to travelling and, co- and committed resources suddenly had the rug pulled out from under them. Then the nonsense with the, you know, the fact that school children can attend and adults can't, in inverted commas. I th- my concern actually is more that those two things have ended up being rolled into one issue, when actually I think they're two quite distinct issues. Um, the timing of the incident with the with the decision and its impact on the Welsh fans that would have been travelling would have been exactly the same if Slovakia had been in trouble for fielding an ineligible player, um, you know, some financial shenanigans. Those that consequence would have impacted the travelling fans in the same way. Okay. And so I feel that actually that has become an issue that's ended up overshadowing the core issue, which is the racist behaviour of the Slovakian fans, and that that hasn't been addressed. And I think the, the, two, the two are quite distinct. UEFA has misbehaved in my view, in two different ways. It's misbehaved in that it's not reacted to the Slovakian incident in the way it should and punished them in a way that is meaningful. And separate, although obviously connected, but separate is the timing and the impact of that decision on travelling fans. And I actually think they're two quite distinct things. And it upsets me that what has been a serious racism incident has ended up kind of overshadowed by the impact of the timing on travelling fans. I, I, I tend to agree with some of the things you said there. I, I also think there's a third facet to this as well, which is equally Wales fans were happy to swipe aside the issue of racism as long as they could go to the game. And I appreciate I'm generalising and... Uh, making kind of a sweeping statement there. But what, what I mean by that is people are like, oh, more annoyed that they couldn't go rather than FIFA or UEFA, sorry, are addressing racism in football. Now, I think if Wales fans were annoyed because they can't go and this wasn't a good enough fine and this is not acceptable for punishing racism, I think that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing that did feel uncomfortable to me was everyone saying, oh, this is ridiculous, you know, we can't go, we can't go. This is this how FIFA, UEFA, sorry, deal with racism. And then it all got sorted out and people were like, oh, well, get to go on my trip now, get to go on my holiday. Um, and it kind of made me feel a bit uncomfortable that all of a sudden it's just like, oh, well, we don't really care anymore. It's, uh, I can go on my trip. And I think that's a bit harsh, I know, but I, I do think it just goes to show the kind of lack of understanding of the wider issues they're affecting racism in football um, in that people's priorities are so skewed um, when it comes to this issue that it becomes so complicated and convoluted. Um, but I agree with a lot of you know the other things you said there about the, um, the way it was dealt with by UEFA. I think the fact that they've sold tickets 
Um, I think there needs to be some sort of review of the process, and once they've sold tickets to a game, they can't back out because they know the impact it'll have on other people. Um, and I think the wider issue, which is the much more important one to me, is they just haven't dealt with this well. I, because it's an interesting one. It's been downgraded, if that's the correct terminology, to a political punishment rather than a racial one. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were uh, certain Hungarians who were burning the Slovakian flags and scarves and banners and stuff in the Slovakian end. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think with it, it's, we're kind of... Say, you know, calling it a political one instead of a racist one kind of diverts away from the actual issue, really. Um, because I still feel that that is a racially aggravated thing because it's political as well. It doesn't mean the two are exclusive. Um, but also, I, I just feel that the whole way that this has been dealt with further highlights that UEFA just don't know how to deal with, um, these things and that a 20 grand fine or whatever it was and filling the stadium with 11 year olds is not a fine for racism like they can be racist as well it's a societal problem not a football fan problem and something needs to be done to address that problem within the country itself not just football fans are racist stop them going to the game everyone's a winner like even a points deduction what does that really achieve right it pisses a few people off but ultimately it doesn't solve the problem that problem needs to be solved and you should stop people inherent inherently being racist and stop being a societal issue rather than a footballing issue. Um, and I just think there's so much wrong with it. We could, and we are planning and hopefully we'll do a podcast on race in football, but, um, it, there's just so many things wrong with it. I feel like we could talk about it for hours because it is just nothing short of a farce from pretty much every angle, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the frustration that none of this has been handled appropriately as far as I can see um, by UEFA, whether it's the original sanction, whether it's this clause that they've recently introduced that allows children to go to the games, even when it's supposedly behind closed doors, whether it's the timing and therefore the impact on travelling fans. It's all of it is wrong, Um and I'm not saying that a Welsh fan who's, you know, booked time off work and invested in a flight and accommodation and tickets doesn't have every right to be annoyed at UEFA. But it, that annoyance should be about the timing of the decision. Absolutely. You can have, you can have that annoyance and still be vehemently concerned about what precipitated the decision. And I, that's, what concerned me? I feel like we lost the the real reason for what was going on. And if we don't hold our hands up and acknowledge that this is is improving, it's not like it was when I, you know, when I was going to games 30 years ago. It's not like that. I won't pretend it is, but it's still wrong, and we've still got growth and learning to do, and we have to get our hands around that and address it. I agree. That's a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, to, to move past that, there's just one more thing that I want to add to that. It, was just, it is absolutely ridiculous to me that I feel that Slovakia could have gained an advantage from the whole situation in the end, which was mm-hmm. they'd be in fined. Wales fans wouldn't be allowed in, but there'd be an atmosphere of, you know, 20 odd thousand to 25,000 kids in there. Well, then you're gaining a distinct advantage then 
as a consequence, whether it's political or racial, um, of kind of committing an offence. And I just do not understand what UEFA are kind of trying to achieve by doing this. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree. That's why none, none of it at their level makes any sense whatsoever, does it? Absolutely. And it's, I mean, bizarre, I feel like kind of almost belittles it in a way. It's not a bizarre situation. It's just wrong. It's immoral. There's, there's so many issues with it that, as you say, we could do a, a pod on its own and, and hopefully mm-hmm. we will. Um, just to move on from that so we don't get, uh, you know, so we keep our powder dry for when we actually talk about it. <laughs> um, the squad announcement uh, has obviously come out in the last couple of days. There's a couple of issues uh, that I think are worth raising for me and a couple mm-hmm. of questions that I want to ask you. Um, we'll save the Tom Lawrence one until a little bit later because I, 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 I think we're probably going to be in agreement on that one. But um, the one that I put on Twitter and I am remain surprised about... And I don't want to make you cry first thing in the morning, but um, someone's going to have to tell me uh, why Chris Gunter is in that squad. Mm, yeah. Can, can I cry now? Yes, um, please, please do. <laughs> Obviously, Connor Roberts has made that position his, but I'm not sure there's actually a great deal of depth and pressure after that and my reading of it would be kind of better the devil you know better someone you know is going to give 110 percent if you have to use him um so that's i think why i would keep guns in that squad more because i'm not quite sure who would be you know the next the next one up if something were happen would to happen to connor roberts um i think that's a fair point um my argument against would be is that you're right, there isn't a necessarily someone who's screaming to be the next man up. But we also have to look that, I know Chris Gunter is not old necessarily, but he's also coming to the end of his career, especially given he looks like he's not going to play for his club this season. Um, mm-hmm. You could argue that his form is on the decline, certainly at club level, before this season started. Um, if Connor Roberts does get injured, there still needs to be another person that's kind of around the squad for that role. Um, and it concerns me a little bit that, and again, like, you know, I, I love Chris Gunter, but it concerns me a little bit that, as you say, there is, it seems no depth to that position to the point that we've got a guy who's not kicked a, a ball in anger, um, realistically. All, all year and, pr- and probably since what, like May, April. Um, so it's a bit of a concern to me that we're in this in this spot, and I think it just points to kind of a wider issue um, that we've missed out on. But I, I personally, I, I don't, you know, I don't have a massive problem with him being in the squad, as you say, just due to the depth issue. But I, I you know, I, I think it goes to, to highlight a, a bigger issue in the squad. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the question is more, what are we doing to address the issue than why is Guns in the squad? Yeah. I mean, I think Guns is in the squad because at the minute he is the best answer to the issue. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's a good answer to the issue. 
No, I agree. And, and, and I think, I, I don't doubt that his experience is valuable as is, you know, that's why one of the reasons I'm sure Ash is back in the squad, although he mm-hmm. seems to have played well since he's come back to Bristol City. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's pretty much the squad I expected. Um, with the exception really of, of, of Tom Lawrence. I, yeah. I, I've made my kind of feelings clear on social media and people I've interacted with and stuff. Um, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but for me, he shouldn't be in the squad. Um, he has, if convicted, broken the law. He's got a court date two days after the games. Um, I, I just feel it's immoral and unnecessary for him to be in this squad, um, considering everything that's happened. And, you know, just because he's a good footballer shouldn't change our moral standpoint on, on things. Um, and, and I think that sometimes we need to be a bit, a bit better than just worried about a football match. And, and I feel like that is, this is all just a bit of a mess and creating a distraction that we don't need. Yeah. I mean, I think there's obviously moral questions about his involvement and, you know, you and I agree on this. I don't think he should be in the squad. But there are, there are also times when you don't include people in a squad just because of the level of distraction and noise and kind of media divergence and things that it includes. And I would have left him out of the squad for those reasons alone, never mind the actual kind of what it says about what we're accepting as people's behavior. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think he should be there, but I'd have kept him out purely because, as you say, with the court date looming and the questions that people are having to field because of his inclusion, it, it just seems like an unnecessary mess. Um, aside from what might, one might think about the, the kind of moral framework of including him. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, I, I, I think, the, the distraction element is, is, is key, really, for me, because already Giggs has had to defend his decision. Already Giggs has, you know, done about three interviews and someone's asking something about Tom Lawrence and, and everything else. And there was an issue that, that someone brought to my attention, which I think is a fair one, which is, is he could be bringing him into the squad just kind of be as something to kind of help his mental state, perhaps, and kind of hammer home this idea of togetherness that we are kind of all in this together regardless of what happens off the pitch um, but I just feel like that's a bit of a I don't want to say cop out but because I think there's an element of truth perhaps in that but also mm-hmm. you know we need to be realistic here he's a role model he has has something to uh, to show to the rest of the world and kids and how to behave and blah, 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 blah. And he's, and he's not fulfilled that. So I think if he needs kind of mental stability and support, then he needs to look for that elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that's kind of the priority here, really, is it? Exactly. Um, if, if he is kind of being ostracized, to the point at Derby. I mean, I know they were, he was booed at a recent game, for example, and needs, like, you know, 
we've all we've all done things wrong. We've all needed a hand around the shoulders before now. Um, perhaps not on this scale, yeah. but and um, but the FAW should be kind of doing that privately. Then, if they feel he needs support, then provide it. But you don't have to do it in this way. No, I, I think you're absolutely spot on, um, and I think it's being dealt with. Unfortunately, I think it is an unfortunate situation. Obviously. Um, and I feel like people who are trivialising it to this to, to the extent of well we've all made stupid decisions when we've had a few beers, I think is just as immoral as 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 the person who's picked him. To be perfectly honest, um, but anyway, um, to to focus on the football side of things, it's worth noting that obviously this is the first time in a while that Rambo, Bale, and Allen are all in the squad, all we seem to really be missing from our kind of starting uh, batch of exciting youngsters is uh, is Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the squad is as close to, to a full-strength squad as is, as, as is available to the manager. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see Tyler Roberts back. Um, James Lawrence, I noticed, wasn't in St. Pauli's squad at the weekend, so I'm presuming that his omission is a injury related one because he's been you know he's been playing 90 minutes every game yeah he's been there. playing well so I'm, I'm assuming that's some sort of knock that he's carrying yeah I got uh, something but, from someone on Twitter saying that it's a, a hamstring injury um, okay he's retur- he's returning to kind of gentle training but he's not match fit so to speak okay well that makes sense doesn't he he's better off having the having the wind the break of the window yeah I agree um I, I think an expression you used was basically it was the squad as expected, and that's what I've put in my notes, actually, that there's nothing... Uh, because you've got a couple of people who are injured and out, there's actually not really any key decisions to make, is there, in this yeah. particular squad, because the num- the numbers and the availables basically match. I know, I agree. Um, I'm going to have to wrap it up, as it is almost lunchtime and kids are going to start making noise in a minute. But... <laughs> Um, the last thing I want to mention is Chris Meppham is pulled out of the squad today and replaced by Regan Poole. Um, on the assumption that Meppham was probably going to start the game, um, yeah. who do you replace Meppham with in the starting eleven? I would go Ash and Roden as the central pair. Fair enough. I... Uh, I think I would go with Roden and Lockyer but with that said I wouldn't be concerned if uh, if it was Ash he seems to have played himself back into decent form recently so I would be fairly satisfied with that outcome yeah I think I think either of those pairings make sense basically as, as things stand currently don't they absolutely and I think it's probably the best way forward um, experience-wise, if Ashton was to come in, perhaps as well. So um, there's arguments either way, but I think Giggs has got a, has still got some solid options and some some good replacements in there, regardless of regardless of what he actually chooses in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to have to wrap up a very brief uh, preview <laughs> podcast there. Uh, good luck to very the women. brief by our standards. I know exactly. I was going to say I don't know why we do do this all the time. Um, <laughs> Good luck to the women, uh, and hopefully we'll have a podcast about their game soon. Um, good luck to the men in their doubleheader. We will definitely have a pod about their uh, about these two games 
in the next couple of weeks. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for our brief conversation, Ruth. Yeah, yeah that's all right. And uh, I'm sure we will be back together again soon. Okay, bye, folks. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>